Parsha Bamimbar. I'd like to talk a little bit today, I guess, really about kind of just this crazy world we live in and uh, try to encourage us a little bit and try to see if there's something in Parsha Bamidbar that can help us see things a little clearly. It is um, strange how crazy the world seems to be these days. and There seems to be a lot of... Uh, need for spiritual growth out there. You just see a lot of, a lot of anger. And there's, it seems every time you turn on the news, there's violence. Um, the love of many growing cold. Sure feels like the end is near at times, doesn't it? We need Yeshua to come and bring some peace. There's a lot of, of course, end time speculation going on right now. And I suppose that's rightly so when you survey the landscape and see the state of the world right now. Such a lack of patience and humility in people out there. No one has patience anymore for time or for each other. Especially, I mean, that's our society that we live in an instant kind of society where we want everything to pop up on our phones immediately and we don't want to wait in traffic for anybody. There's a lack of humility, too, as well, just in the way people treat each other, generally speaking. People are, at least the way I think of it, people are so quick to be uh, judgmental and condemn others. <clears throat> you see it a lot if you go to, like, a, on social media to a page where lots of people are involved with, like, News Channel 8's Facebook page, right? You just see all the comments on there, the way people talk to each other. You would think the internet would be something that would make humanity better. I mean, <clears throat> when they invented the uh, printing press, that made humanity better. There was, you know, you had uh, the ability to read, literacy um, became, uh, was much higher after the printing press. You know, printed lots of Bibles. It was good for humanity. One would think that another uh, revolutionary uh, invention like the an internet would be something that would perhaps be good for humanity and while certainly there's good things that come out of the internet it certainly seems to have brought out the worst in us as well and really polarized people in ways the internet's made things better and in ways it's made it worse again no patience no humility that's hard that's just uh, human nature, that's the Yetzirah, that's the evil inclination. <clears throat> we need a little bit of repentance. Turning back to the word is the obvious solution. Parsha B'midbar, this is the uh, 34, 34th Torah portion. Midbar means wilderness, of course, desert. And that's where we find ourselves as well. Um, let's open up a little bit, and I'll just read a little bit of Bamidbar uh, to warm up. I'm going to be reading just a few verses from chapter 1 to let my nerves settle in. My daughter's Torah portion, of course. Numbers chapter 1, verse 1. I'm going to read the first Four verses, 
<clears throat> Bamidbar opens with this. Adonai spoke to Moshe in the Sinai Desert in the tent of meeting. On the first day of the second month of the second year, after they left the land of Egypt, he said, take a census of the entire assembly of the people of Israel by clans and families, record the names of all the men 20 years old and over who are subject to military service in Israel. You and Aharon are to enumerate them company by company. So the people here have been out of Sinai for a year, but they're not quite headed anywhere yet, and I'd have to imagine they're a little bit impatient and uh, some strife going on there <clears throat> as well. So they're getting their own lesson on waiting around for a bit and slowing things down. But there's instruction here on their formation that I think is very, very, very important. Further down in the chapter, on verse 47, near the end of the chapter, he's after they go through and kind of count all the different um, tribes and clans, there's some instruction here for the priests, the Levi'im. Verse 47, but those who were Levi'im, the priests, right, the Levites, according to the clan of their families, they were not counted in this census because Adonai had told Moshe, do not include the clan of Levi when you take the census of the people of Israel. Instead, give the Levi'im charge over the tabernacle of the testimony, its equipment, and everything else connected with it. They are to carry the tabernacle and all its equipment, serve in it, and set up their camp around it. When the tabernacle is to be moved onward, it is the Levi'im who are to take it down and set it up in the new location. Anyone else who involves himself is to be put to death. The rest of Israel are to set up camp company by company, each man with his own banner, but the Levi'im are to camp around the tabernacle of the testimony so that no anger will come upon the assembly of the people of Israel. The Levi'im are to be in charge of the tabernacle of testimony. This is what the people of Israel did. They did everything that Adonai had ordered Moshe. So the Israelite society here was designed to have the presence of God and the word of God literally at its center. And this is a very important pattern to recognize. You have the tabernacle, right, the Holy of Holies with the ark. Just outside of that, there's another layer. There is the uh, courtyard. And outside of that, you have the fence, the walls of the courtyard. Then outside of that, you have the Levites completely surrounding this area. Then outside of that are the people, all the different clans, and all the different tribes. And so the design was to have uh, Adonai and the word as the center of the people. That way, everything is sort of drawn inward and radiating outward from that. And that pattern you see uh, it really is reflected everywhere. Even in, in our own bodies, we have a heart. That's the power of what circulates the blood, and that's surrounded by tissue and surrounded by mother muscles, surrounded by a rib cage, surrounded by other muscles, surrounded by skin. I mean, some, when you look at powerful objects that are uh, the layers, you see that pattern everywhere. It's in our solar system. We have a sun with different orbits of planets and, uh, around them, little asteroids and comets. That's the pattern's everywhere, right down from your cell that has a nucleus, two galaxies that are held together by a, uh, by a 
by a black hole. It's, uh, that pattern's everywhere, and that pattern is here as well with Israel and Adonai being at the center. That was their society, and that's how it functioned for many, 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 many years, even with the temple. That way the people know where their source of wisdom and source of power comes from. It's very apparent to them. That's a pattern. That's a biblical pattern to live by. Our society sort of lacks that. I mean, what's at the center of our society? It's the federal government, right? The federal government's the one that's going to uh, protect you and feed you. Uh, it's going to make sure that the environment's clean. It's going to make sure that your rights are protected. Uh, it's going to teach your children, right? And you wonder why we have this feeling of doom sometimes. But the, the pattern that God had installed was for them to um, be around the encampment. The wilderness provides many tests for them just because um, they are blessed to have that uh, presence of God and the tabernacle with them doesn't mean that things are always going to be great. After all, we're still humans and we fail. Moshe recounts this a little bit later in Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8, Moses is reminiscing about this. And there's some, uh, I just love some of the encouragement I get out of this, this chapter here. Many years later, Moshe in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 8, he remembers some of these times. He writes, all the mitzvot I am giving you today, you are to take care and obey so that you will live, increase your numbers, and enter the possession of the land Adonai swore about to your ancestors. You are to remember everything of the way in which Adonai led you these 40 years in the desert, humbling and testing you in order to know what was in your heart, whether you would obey his mitzvot or not. <clears throat> he humbled you, allowing you to become hungry, then fed you with man, which neither you nor your ancestors had ever known to make you understand that a person does not live on food alone, but on everything that comes from the mouth of Adonai. During the 40 years, the clothing you slept or the, the clothing you were wearing didn't grow old and your feet didn't swell up. Think deeply about it. Adonai was disciplining you just as a man disciplines his child. So obey the mitzvot of Adonai your God, living as he directs and fearing him. For Adonai your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with streams and springs and water welling up from the depths in valleys and on hillsides. It's a land of wheat and barley and grapevines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of oil, olive oil and honey, a land where you will eat food in abundance and lack nothing in it. It's a land where stones contain iron and hills can be mined for copper. So you will eat, you will eat and be satisfied and you'll bless Adonai, your God, for the good land he has given you. The people were learning humility. They were humble people that were, they were learning to be patient. And those are difficult, sometimes difficult virtues to acquire because patience means you're restraining your desires, your yetzer hara a little bit. And 
Humility means you're restraining pride. Both that, all of those, uh, overcoming those things are uh, what make you a better person, of course, but it takes a lot of work. If it were easy, we'd all be patient and humble people. Now, notice attaining these virtues seems to be connected to obeying the mitzvot of Adonai, of course. We have to be in the word. We have to be something that the spirit can use for his glory. And that will result in patience and humility. There is no physical mishkan, of course, today to keep us in orbit, right? But we do have the spirit, of course, to guide us. And we have the, the spirit of the mishkan, if you will, within us. And that's our source of peace and our source of virtues. But we have to be plugged in. We have to know where that source comes from. It comes from the word. It comes from prayer. It comes from the spirit working within us. This crazy world that we live in sure searches for peace, but it's looking in all the wrong places. It's not coming from our government. Although they'll tell you that. But they're just... Uh, they're searching in all the wrong places. They're not following that pattern. And so much as we probably may not have a physical tabernacle that we can um, have in our midst, certainly we have the word, and everyone knows about the word, but they're not turning towards it. And I think the result of that is what we see today in the world. Living in these times, it seems apparent that uh, something's got to change, right? Prophecy does seem to be <clears throat> playing out a bit, as it was in the days of Noah, right? Matthew 24 says, for the Son of Man's coming will be just it was as in the days of Noah. Back then, before the flood, people went on eating and drinking, taking wives and becoming wives right up until the day Noah entered the ark, and they didn't know what was happening until the flood came and swept them away. It'll be just like that when the Son of Man comes. The people in Noah's time, of course, weren't ready. They weren't really plugged in to Adonai. They didn't seem to have Adonai on their minds at all. And a survey of today's pop culture seems to be uh, sort of looking the same way as it was in the days of Noah. And, of course, that's why Yeshua warns us of this. And he warns us of this so that we're encouraged. We're not uh, scared of these warnings, but these warnings encourage us to help us keep the faith and persevere even in the midst of craziness that the world seems to be doubling down on every day. Yeshua teaches largely in ethics and human interaction, doing good deeds, kindness, things like this. But he does from time to time give teachings that, um, and warnings about what's coming in the future. For example, Luke chapter 21 is such a uh, warning or a uh, encouragement might be a better choice of words to the Talmudim and anyone who reads it, as a matter of fact. Page 1322 in the Stearns is where I'll be reading from. Yeah, the first one, 1321. The book of Luke, verse 21, chapter 21, verse 1. Then Yeshua looked up, and as he watched the rich placing their gifts into the temple offering boxes, he also saw a poor widow 
put in two small coins, and he said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put in more than all the others, for they, out of their wealth, have contributed money they could easily spare, but she, out of her poverty, has given all she has to live on. And as some people were remarking about the temple, how beautiful its stonework and memorial decorations were, he said, the time is coming when what you see here will be totally destroyed. Not a single stone will be left standing. They asked him, Rabbi, if this is so, when will the events take place and what sign will show that they're about to happen? He answered, watch out, don't be fooled, for many will come in my name saying, I am he. The time has come, don't go after them. And when you hear of wars and revolutions, don't panic, for these things must happen first, but the end will not follow immediately. I read that and I thought about that last night. He said, for these things must happen first, but the end will not follow immediately. Now, of course, this prophecy did play out in his generation. The end did not follow immediately. But it got me thinking, you know. The world seems crazier just in the last few years. You think about it, three or four years ago, um, the world was just infatuated with what Trump was tweeting about Rosie O'Donnell. That was the worst of what we had it. And now we have a pandemic, and we have uh, many different identity crises going on, apparently. And just when you think, it can't get any crazier. I read this. But the end will not follow immediately. And I thought to myself, man, maybe it is going to get a lot crazier, even though you really can't imagine it getting that much crazier. Then he told the people, then he told them, peoples will fight each other and nations will fight each other. There'll be great earthquakes and epidemics and famines in various places and fearful signs and great signs from heaven. But before all this, they'll arrest you and persecute you, handing you over to, uh, over to the synagogues and prisons, and you'll be brought before kings and governors. This will all be on account of me, but it will prove an opportunity for you to bear witness. So make up your minds not to worry rehearsing your defense beforehand, for I myself will give you an eloquence and a wisdom that no adversary will be able to resist or refute. You will be betrayed even by parents, brothers, relatives, and friends, but some of you will have to be put to death, and everyone will hate you because of me, but not, on a, not a hair on your head will be lost. By standing firm, you will save your lives. All the, uh, and all the apostles did eventually uh, suffer martyrdom for the sake of the kingdom. But there's the uh, hope in the resurrection and reward in the kingdom for them. And there's a lot we can get out of this that applies to our life, you know, this uh, being aware, uh, the, but the, the, the being careful to uh, listen to those who say that the time is near. It does say to be aware, but there has to be some balance there, right? When you see the fig leaf, when you see the leaf on the fig tree, summer's near. We do have to be a lookout for the signs. But then again, just when we think it's really bad, perhaps the end will not follow immediately. So we have to be prepared to endure and have patience and have humility because those are the virtues that are going to help us allow to persevere even when 
It seems like the end is here, but it just gets a little crazier. One who's impatient, of course, has difficulty with that, may find themselves following any kind of crazy teacher or anything. It's difficult to have discernment when you're in a state of panic because you think the world's about to end. One who is patient, they have a little more discernment because they're a little more relaxed. Yes, the world seems like it's ending, but there's probably just another level of craziness ready to roll out. So you've got to take it easy. Keeping the words of Yeshua, of course, fresh and alive in our hearts will help us be humble and patient and peaceful people. What this world needs and our society, the world in general, is the same pattern followed, found in uh, this week's Parsha. There's a prophecy, and you can see that pattern in this prophecy. It's, we'll close with this. Isaiah chapter 2. Page 437 in the Stearns is Isaiah chapter 2. From verse 1. Might as well start from verse 1. This is the word that Yeshiahu, right, Isaiah, the son of Amotz, saw during concerning Yehuda and Yerushalayim. In the Acherit Hayamim, the mountain of Adonai's house will be established as the most important mountain. So there's the center, the mountain. It will be regarded more highly than the other hills, all the goyim, the nations, will stream there. Many peoples will go and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of Adonai, to the house of the God of Yaakov. He will teach us about his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion will go forth the Torah and the word of Adonai from Yerushalayim. There's more layers. You have the mountain, you have Yerushalayim, you have the nation of Israel. Then you have the nations outside it where the Torah's being sent forth. He will judge between the nations and arbitrate for many peoples. They will hammer their swords into plowshares and, and their spears into pruning knives. A nation will not raise swords at each other and they will no longer learn war. May that be soon and in our days. So you see the kingdom follows the same pattern. Yeshua reigning from Yerushalayim, sending forth Torah to the nations. We just have to have a little patience while we're getting there. So I pray that Adonai and his word be the center of our life, right? The center of our sort of our spiritual encampment inside of us and our soul. And may the spirit encourage us and inspire us to stay strong, even in these times of strife and much distress. And may the love of Yeshua show out through us, helping us to be lights in this dark world. May he come and bring healing and peace and revelation to this world. May that be soon and in our days. Shabbat Shalom.